Welcome in to another Running with the Wolves podcast on the Believe Sports Network. My name is Gabe Anderson, and I'm joined, as always, by Chris Emerson. Chris, how we doing? We're doing good, man. Like I keep saying, we're sitting in first place. Who can be mad? Yeah, absolutely. So, unfortunately, we did have a setback against the Thunder. But but first, before we, we get into that, we got to recognize historical greatness. How about them Pistons, huh? Man, they've got a they're a mess. They're a mess. And I mean, if I had to if I had to cut somebody loose, it'd be a head coach. You know, I don't know what's going on. Already? He's the highest paid coach. Highest paid coach in the NBA, man. You know, yeah, first round, they got the number one pick, got like the number four pick. I mean, they got I don't know what's going on over there, but it's a mess. Mm-hmm. And and it's interesting because Cade Cunningham's having some the best stats of his career and he looks like a broken man like he just i don't know you you see him on the bench and he looks like he's about to cry yeah he's been hot of late that's for sure um and he might be about to cry but i mean it's not like losing is like a new thing for these guys that have been in detroit for a couple years so i mean i get it at this level is bad but i mean if you lose 26 in a row or if you're like three three and you know 23 is it really that much different that's true that, that's a good point i saw a stat there four and 49 since last year's all-star game you just got to feel bad as a fan you're excited because oh maybe we got a shot at one of these number one picks but we know as wolves fans that losing a lot and having not many people come to your games is tough but anyway let's talk about the team that is winning the Minnesota yes. Timberwolves, except for last night. We'll talk about the Thunder game a little bit. I think, uh, and I've watched him a couple, I've seen him twice now this year. I think Shea Gilders-Alexander is a top 10 player in this league. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, and then it comes down to what spot in that top 10 is he? Because he's, I would say he's a top 10 guy and he's probably not 10, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, he's super good. You know, he's efficient. He... Like he doesn't, he doesn't have much wasted movement. Um, yeah, he gets a benefit of some calls, but he's not out there like crying about it. Yep. Um, I don't. Yeah, I like him. I like him as a player. Yeah, he and what what a great trade that it's going to look like for assuming that uh, the Clippers don't win a championship with Paul George, Kawhi, and James Harden. Although. I, I will say that probably going for the the Oklahoma City Thunder, they weren't going to hang on to on to Paul George for the long run anyway. So yeah. I, I feel like what a great trade to get Shea Gilders Alexander in that move. But some, something that I noticed out of Ant, yes, he was attacking the lane. Yes, he got a bunch of fouls um, yeah. or drew a bunch of fouls. I feel like he's forcing way too much. Like, there are several times where, or maybe not forcing, maybe not using his teammates as well as he should. There are several times where there's four guys on him in the paint and there's three guys on the perimeter. Granted, one of them is Kyle Anderson, so he's not going to shoot. But uh, the, there's there's three guys on the perimeter wide open and he holds the ball for way too long and either throws it away or gets it to the guy way too late in the shot clock. Do you think... Is it just something you got to take with the two-edged sword where you want Ant to attack, but maybe sometimes he's got to make better plays? Is it just comes with the territory? Or do you think he needs to improve with that? You know, I think I think it's all of the above a little, like to use a pretty weak answer. Um, I think he does need to improve on it for sure. But, 
there's also a part of me that I want Ant to always be aggressive, to always attack, like always be thinking attack mode. And and what I noticed in the OKC game, maybe more more than even him missing his teammates, is I think the talk about watching Embiid go for all those free throws and watching, you know, knowing that he's playing um, SGA who gets a million free throws. I think he was consciously trying to develop that um, learn to get fouled or how to get fouled thing. Um, he, you know, something other than yelling, Hey, every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he was passing up a lot of looks, passing up a lot of easy drives to try to work on getting fouled. Um, and that's one of those things kind of like when Flip Saunders used to have, like when, when Andrew Wiggins was a rookie and they had him posting up against like the best defenders in the league and failing. But the idea was, you know, you're going to learn how to do this and it's going to, you're going to be better long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, same as, you know, Zach Levine playing point guard for us for a while. Like, yeah, you're terrible at it right now, but hopefully in five years, these skills will, you know, be a benefit. I think it's mm-hmm. the same thing with Edwards right now, where he's trying to pick up and learn how to, you know, draw these fouls. Um, and it's not going to be an overnight process, uh, but it is something he needs to get better at. But passing is always something that's great. Um, as long as he, you know, gets off double teams, I'm okay with him driving into some trouble sometime. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I just, I, it just, it ticked me off in a close game, seeing him hold the ball or trying to create in the, now it's, it's, it's great when he goes by a couple guys and scores, but there were a couple times where he had the ball, three guys wide open on the perimeter and just did, did nothing with it. But I guess that comes with the territory. So a few stats from the game, just way too many turnovers, 24 to 15 in favor of Oklahoma city, who I saw a stat. They like 17% of their points comes off turnovers, which is a crazy stat. Out fast break, which goes along to turn out 11 to 3. Out assisted 35 to 22. But what are your overall takeaways from the OKC game? I mean, to me, it looked like, you know, our stars being Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns were trying to do things. Like they went into the game with a plan, um, which is normally, you know, maybe a good idea. But their plan wasn't to do what the coach's plan was, I don't think. I think Carl mm-hmm. Anthony Towns was trying to be tough guy bully which never works for him because that doesn't come natural for him. Um, Gets him out of his game, gets him out of his rhythm. I think he had, um, he had two, three pointers in the game. Like that's, that's miserable. When you're playing Oklahoma city, like they, like Jim Pete talked about a million times, they crash the paint so much. They leave these three point shooters open. Anthony town should have had seven to 10 three point shots Mm -hmm. a game. And I agree to be honest, to be honest, that's a big problem I have with him right now. Like right now, he's he's shooting his highest three-point percentage in six years at 41%. Like he hasn't shot that well, you know, really since he started shooting three-pointers. But he's also got the lowest three-point attempt rate um, in his last five years. Like he's not shooting very many. Like he needs mm-hmm. to step those up. We, we can't lose Beasley and D'Lo and then – have Carl Anthony Towns shoot last three pointers. Like yeah, we need to get point. that picked back up and then we can get away from these, you know, ugly bull bull a guy over drives because you're trying to prove that you're the bigger, stronger guy. Like that's not you, my guy. So 
Mm-hmm. Like right now, he's sitting 69th in the NBA in free throw attempts a game, like around guys that are bums, like around guys like, you know, not bums, but I'd say Keldon Johnson shouldn't be ahead of him. Simone Fontecchio should not be ahead mm-hmm. of him in three-pointers attempted on the season. You know, like Carl Day Town should be in the top 15 in the NBA in three-pointers attempted a game, not in the top 70, barely. So, I mean, that bothered me. And then, like I said, Anthony Edwards looked like he was out of his rhythm. He was trying to do more than just work in the flow, and that that's never a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I noted that as well. Cat, I think one of his three pointers got chucked, uh, got blocked by Chet, and then he was almost scared to shoot after that. But yeah, when you if you are the best big shooting big man in the NBA, you got to shoot more threes than just two in a game, particularly when the other team is making them. What I think Oklahoma City almost shot fifty percent from three. You got to at least chuck them up and see what happens. So one thing we did see out of the Oklahoma City game towards the end of the game when things were starting to unravel a little bit is we saw, I think, almost the entire third, uh, fourth quarter, which some of it was garbage time, but we we saw Jordan McLaughlin get some playing time. And not only some playing time, but playing time with Mike Conley on the court as well. What do you think of them two playing together or, or Jordan McLaughlin getting a little more playing time? Yeah, I don't think those two playing together is going to happen very much. I think that was just, you know, trying to get J-Max some minutes out there, and it was also time for Conley to get back in the game, so they just left them both out there. But I love J-Mac getting minutes, um, and I've not been a J-Mac fan for the last couple of years, but I think we're at a point in our roster where we need him. We need something like him off the bench. Um, you know, I don't think slow-mo is really the guy as the secondary um, play creator, you know. So yeah, I'd be perfectly fine with J-Mac taking those minutes. He has a spark. He's, you know, he has a spark defensively. He has a spark offensive or offensively. He's he's just like a kinetic motion at all times. And, and it's one of those things like Rudy Gobert where his effort kind of um, spills over to the others and uh, can be a bonus to multiple players on the court just just because he's out there. So, yeah, I, I say give it a shot. We, you know, Shake, Shake Milton hasn't really worked. Um, it's time to try something new. Yeah, and that actually goes into my next point, and they were kind of talking about this on the broadcast as well. Uh, Mike Conley, he, he played great yesterday, don't get me wrong, or whenever you're listening. He played great against Oklahoma City. He's been p- playing great lately. But what I am concerned about is this guy is 36 years old, averaging 29 minutes a game. And really, when it comes down to it, other than Jared, Jordan McLaughlin, is the only option at point guard. Uh, you, yeah. you can argue you can argue Nikhil Alexander-Walker, but he seems to bring the ball up less than Ants anyway. Should we be worried? He has a history of missing getting a. I'm talking about Conley now. A history of missing games. He played 51 in 2020, 47 in 2019. Do you think that we're playing him too much? Now, obviously, the, the results have been there. He's been playing great. But should we should we hold back maybe a little bit? If, if not, play him less. Maybe give him some games off just to be ready for the playoff run. Or what do, you, what do you think? What do you think uh, Coach Finch should do? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough question because if he's healthy and feels good, it's kind of silly just to sit a guy for what might happen later. But 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be, I, I think we need more, and I've been saying this all year. I think we need a better, more reliable backup point guard. Um, so we could do that. Like, I really like the minutes that Neil, um, that Naw has been giving us. Um, actually, I love his backup uh, minutes for Connolly, but only, like you said, when there's another guy like um, Edwards on the court or even not, or even Nas, some guy who can also help out with some of the ball handling. Um, mm-hmm. But Neil, Neil, was it Alexander Walker? Why can I think Nikhil Alexander Walker. Nikhil Alexander Walker. Yeah. He's been, um, he's been very solid, but I, I wouldn't say he's exactly the answer. So yeah, I would I would say we need something so that we can give Connolly a little break because if this is going to be a long playoff run, um, which we hope it is, uh, those games add up. Like the last, if we lose Connolly, we're in a real tough spot um, mm-hmm. with depth at point guard. Not like he's bringing us like you know twenty five points, ten assists a game, but he brings us so much stability and just control of our speed and of our system and everything that. Um, we don't want to lose him for very many games in a row. I would agree. And what what was great, I loved last night, A, he was hitting threes. And B, I love that play where he makes a mistake, he drives into a guy, throws it up, gets blocked. And yep. then, then he goes right into Josh Giddy, gets the steal, and puts it up for, for a layup. I loved that play. And that, that's what you get out of Mike Conley. So let's talk about a guy that I know is not number one on your your list and we talked about before in a podcast before but Kyle Anderson I you posted uh you you posted some stats from his last 10 games I thought they were pretty astounding his last last 20 games actually 6.3 points 3.8 assists 3.1 rebounds 1.2 turnovers a game he's shooting 38% and hasn't hit a 3 he's a minus 17 I mean I I loved him last year. He was great. I, I love sometimes when he goes to the basket and he's so slow and he and his his whole his whole gimmick. But yeah, I I I'm getting more and more convinced the more that we talk that at the trade deadline he's got to be dealt. Particularly coming off of a an expiring contract. I I just I think we need guard help, and I and I think you yep. agree as well. Yeah, I mean, there, there's two ways to do this. Because, um, I mean, I don't want people to think that I'm saying Kyle Anderson is a complete bum. Um, you know, he has value, and I think he would have some value to some teams. It's just I don't think he has much value to our team. Um, and the things that he brings value-wise, um, I don't think we really need that much. And the mm-hmm. things that are his, you know, warts are things we need a lot. So, like – it really stands out. Like how many times has he had a wide open corner three and hasn't been able to shoot? Like, God, I would love to have a guy shooting 40% from the corner, which isn't asking a lot to Mm -hmm. be there when that happens. So yeah, he needs to go in my opinion, unless, um, unless his $10 million is, you know, that's going to be gone by the end of this year. Like it's going to be an expiring contract. We want to use that just to save us money on our salary cap. Right. That's our plan. And it's like, well, he's an okay guy to come in as a role player um, come playoff time. But I don't think we can really be that. You know, I think expecting us to be in this place in the standings. Right. That's what I was going to say. Yep. Exactly. It's scary. So, like, if you can move him for a guy that can give you an impact scorer off the bench, um, I think you need to. And as crazy as it sounds, like, 
a team that's hot right now, like the Clippers, they could probably use a big like like slow mo who can play D, who can help facilitate, who isn't gonna like you know take a bunch of shots. And maybe we could get a guy back like um, I don't know Russell Westbrook, who's on a five like a five million dollar deal, like almost nothing, you know, something like him and another guy to add us some punch from a backup point guard role or, or scoring off the bench or something. We need we need something, and uh, slow mo isn't it? And I like what you said there. I was going to bring up this point as well. The, this is. I don't want to say once in a lifetime, but to be 22 and seven this far into the season happens once every 30 years, particularly yeah. for, for, for a franchise, maybe not a franchise like, like uh, the warriors, but for a franchise yeah. like us, this is not, this is rare. This is, this yeah. is the exception to the rule. So to, to, to hold on to a salary just because you want to save money, that that's not necessarily a good move because you don't know. Now, obviously you have a young aunt and you got Carl Anthony Townsend's prime, blah, blah, blah. But you don't know that you're going to have an opportunity like this going forward. So that's why I think the wolves need to be all in now. And I, I like it. Uh, your idea of what Russell Westbrook uh, also with the Clippers, maybe we've talked about him before, like a bones Highland to be an upgrade yeah. for what we lost in Jalen Noel or something like that. Both those guys would fit almost perfect in a salary. Like you give me both of those guys and we send you Kyle Anderson and uh, you know, let's see what happens. Hey, not that I want to give up on them, but maybe the Clippers who are an old team want to take a risk on like a Wendell. I'm just, I'm not saying there's any value in Wendell yeah. more, but maybe a Wendell or as much you hate to give them up a Leonard Miller. Uh, maybe, maybe they want to like have their front end be older and then their back end be a little younger and then ha have a nice mix of that. But uh, as you were saying, the Clippers, kudos to them. They've been good lately. And uh, they one thing that, that I noticed last night, they were playing uh, the Charlotte Hornets, and they, they were down, I think, seven midway through the fourth quarter. And then just the veterans took over. Like, they just clamped down. Westbrook hit a couple shots. Harden hit a couple shots. Paul George did his thing. So that, that's the mentality that we need to bring here. So let's look forward to the Timberwolves week ahead. Uh, we played the Dallas Mavericks yet. The good news for the Wolves, which has been a, a lot of good news lately, is the Dallas Mavericks will be on a back-to-back. -back. No word if Kyrie is going to play yet, but what, what do you look for in this game? I mean, all hands on deck to slow down Luca. That guy is, is phenomenal. Like the count, the, the amount of weight that is on his shoulders, every single game and his ability to produce every single game at the high rate that he has to do is impressive. I mean, he just dropped like a 50 point triple double damn near. Maybe it was a triple double. I don't know. Um, He's a tough man to deal with, but we've got the bodies to deal with him. So if we can only deal with him and not him and Kyrie, um, we're set up in a good spot to get a W. So to be honest, I'm not too worried about Dallas. Yeah, and it's interesting. I was telling you this off air, but I'm actually going to see Dallas twice in two weeks because I'm going the game tomorrow, and then I'm going down to Dallas. Not 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 for the Wolves game, uh, other things. But in Dallas, I'm going to be – I'm seeing uh, – the uh, Dallas play the Wolves, which upcoming, I think next, so not this coming Saturday, Sunday, but the next Sunday, 
Uh, I'll, I'll be seeing them. So I'll be seeing a lot of Dallas. Yeah, they are an interesting team. Uh, I think they're in a little bit of a slump lately. Um, they lost to the Rockets. They lost to the Clippers. Lost to the Nuggets, who are all good teams. Um, uh, lost to the Thunder. So they're losing to good teams, but in, in a and tough Western Kyrie. Conference. What's that? And without Kyrie. Yeah, yeah, without Kyrie as well. It, it, it'll be interesting to watch. I think a big thing for Dallas is if they're if their supporting cast are hitting shots, because we know Luca is going to hit shots, right? Like, like we know that. But it's up to his supporting cast, like Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, to to come in to come in and hit some shots, particularly when you're going to have Luca, who has the ball, what like ninety percent of the time. You got to be ready to 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 catch the ball and throw up some shots. Which, going back to the Kyle Anderson point, the 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 point we were talking about in a second ago, that's who you want around ants. You don't want people around ants who are going to catch the ball and think about it for five minutes, like Kyle Anderson. You want someone around ants who can shoot the ball immediately. Like you, if yeah. you're in a good spot, and that's something like what Jane McDaniel's has done. You've seen him not afraid to take threes. Obviously, Cat can take those threes, but when you have Kyle Anderson holding the ball for two minutes, thinking about should I shoot or not, that completely slows down the offense. Yeah, and and it's you know people will say, oh, but then he drives it and he finds you know kicks to somebody else, and it's just kind of wasted effort, like. If we can get you an open shot, Jim Peterson mentioned this last night, which was great. It's so hard to get open shots in the NBA. Like they just don't come that often where if you have an open shot, you have to take it because if you pass that up, it's possible that you're not going to see another good shot that possession. Um, and that happened last game to us. We, we passed someone passed up an open shot and ended up being a shot clock violation later in that possession. Like mm-hmm. we need to take those shots when they come because you don't know if you're going to get it's not going to be a swing, swing, open three-pointer every time. Sometimes it's a swing, swing. That guy's run off the line. He runs into pressure. You know, he has to kick it out, and it's this turnover or something. Like, if the ball comes to you and you're open, you have to shoot it. That's the yeah. new NBA. That's how it has to be. And when you have guys out there that can't do that, um, it's it's a struggle. And when you have Rudy Gobert out there and um, slow-mo and maybe J-Mac or something like that, like the point guard – like you have almost too many non-shooters, so right. Uh, yeah, we need it. We need to change, um, or just not have him play as much and have somebody else take his minutes. Right, I agree, and I think we're gonna put a pin in it there. Uh, thank Chris. Thanks so much for being here as always. Yeah, let's do another uh, winning streak. You know, absolutely. And this is the Running with the Wolves podcast on the Believe Sports Networks. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube or on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Make sure to give us five stars and tell your friends as well. And as always, go Wolves. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.